Good morning, Delaware. It's a beautiful October morning. I don't know that the rest of the weekend's going to be as nice, but hey, enjoy it today because it is right now. It is beautiful out there. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, George. Uh, that's Nicole Fowles over on the mo- microphone on my left. You're right as you stare into your stereo dial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Gage Tellis behind the board. Hey, Gage. That was impressive. That you. was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm getting my radio voice going here. It's like hey. only six years on the show. It's about time I did that. <laughs> <laughs> only three years, huh? <laughs> so anyway, and our guest today is Robin Yoakum. We are delighted to welcome. Uh, hey, Robin, how you doing? Hey, good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted to have you. Robin is one of the three mystery authors who are going to be joining us at the Ill Mannered Brewery on Monday, October 25th for a fundraiser for the Friends of the Library. Karen Cowan was here this morning and told me there's only about 10 tickets left, so you better jump in and buy your tickets now. That's exciting. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so we will be talking about Robin's uh, latest novel, The Sacrifice of Lester Yates, in the second half of the show. But Nicole, what are you reading, listening to, binging on right now? I just finished a really excellent uh, book that is, I I actually don't like the title of this book. I don't feel like it describes it well. It's called Remote Control, and it's by uh, Neri Okorafor, and um, it was brilliantly narrated. Um, I'll have to catch her name. Cynthia, I think, is the, uh, she's a Broadway star, is the, um, the narrator. And it is about a young girl named Fatima who is in Ghana, and she is um, kind of almost chosen by the stars of the universe or something along those lines. She is playing outside near her favorite tree one day and um, a little bean falls out of the tree, a little bean pod, and um, it's kind of glowing like a green color and she thought, oh, that's fun. Um, And then she buries it because she wants to come back for it later. She's playing outside again later and it seems as though the roots of the tree are almost pushing the bean back up to her, presenting it to her. (laughs) This time in a beautiful little um, wooden box and so this bean kind of keeps following her and um, she makes it almost a little pet of hers. Her mother's telling the whole the whole story of, oh, my daughter Fatima has, you know, found this beautiful bean and it's almost become a pet to her. And she just makes everything, you know, an animated mm-hmm. object whenever mm-hmm. it's hers. Um, well, soon some very um, important people are coming to Fatima's home to purchase this bean for a lot of money. Um, and it doesn't make any sense to her parents. And of course, they say, yes, take it. <laughs> um, um, but it seems as though that bean does not belong to those people because not good things start happening to those people. And uh, <laughs> Fatima then starts to have some things happening to her, too. She's getting very hot. Her skin is kind of glowing green. She's not quite sure what's happening. Kryptonite poisoning? And on the day that she's going to, um, I think, uh, mosque with her, with her um, or temple with her brother, she is going to cross the street. It's a very busy street. And um, she is hit by a car or a bus. And um, it makes her expel so much anger and so much energy that when she comes to, um, she realizes that about a mile radius around where her body was hit has kind of been incinerated. And nothing else is left. So there's a lot of like kind of questionable things that are are surrounding her. She realizes that she kind of has this power that she kind of um, you know can emit this green glow that just kind of dissolves anything that's near her. Um, she learns how to control it. She's only, mind you, seven years old, six or seven years old whenever this happens. Um, but she's lost her entire family because of when she got hit by the bus. Um, so she kind of just travels across Ghana and, um, 
becomes known as the adopted daughter of death. Um, because, you know, not good things really follow her. I used to think about that as my sister when we were kids. Don't tell her that. <laughs> don't, don't. So it's a feel-good story. It's yeah. a really, really feel-good story. It's, it's a little bit of science fiction. It's a little bit of mystery. Um, you never really know why she received the gift that she did. Um, it's kind of not a mixed gift. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, so. Right, right. Is it a gift? Is it a curse? Um, she becomes very strong, very independent. She uses the mystery, the mystery that um, follows her to her advantage. She goes, you know, from town to town, and whenever she travels to those towns, um, she has a new name, Sankofa, which is a bird. Um, and so they, Sankofa is coming. Sankofa is coming. And so um, as they, as she gets to the town, she says, "I require sleep. I require food." and I require new clothing. Can you provide those for me? And everyone says, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, um, it's only about a seven or eight hour listen. It's brilliantly narrated. Like I said, if you listen to the audiobook, it'll read even faster if you read it. But I would recommend listening to it just because of a lot of the language that's used in the book taking place in Ghana. Um, it is a lot of fun. I would recommend it maybe for like, Young middle school. It's really okay. um, not an adult book. Um, it, it does have some darker themes to it, but a middle schooler would be able to grasp it. But I enjoyed it as an adult as well. Sounds good. It's called Remote Control. Okay, but you're not crazy about the title. I'm not crazy about the title because I think the remote control portion comes in um, a bit later whenever she realizes like how she can control it. But I just don't. I think I think her name Sankofa would have made more sense as a book title. Okay, mm-hmm. great. But I love it. Robin, what have you been listening to or reading recently? Well, let's see. Now I just started one called Sea of Darkness by mm-hmm. Brian Hicks. It's about the uh, raising of the uh, uh, Confederate submarine Hunley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I read a lot of fiction or uh, nonfiction, right? Even though, I, and uh, I just finished um, uh, News of the World, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. which have been yes. out a while, right. but right. Uh, but I finally got to that. And uh, uh, I, I tried, I, and I like to do a lot of audiobooks, mm-hmm. spend a lot of time in the car. Sure. And I tried to get through Run Rabbit by John Updike. Oh, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I could only get through about half of it. I I it just, I guess as I've gotten older. I, I, I give up on books that, that don't resonate with me. And, Good for you. And, yep. uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I got about halfway through it, and I, I thought, you know, there are a few writers out there who, who have done really well, Updike being one of them, mm-hmm. that when I read, I, I just don't get it. Right. I, I, just, I, I just, <laughs> just, just don't get it. And, yeah, he's uh, the same way for me. I've and, never been able to read Updike. And quite honestly, Faulkner's another one. I, I, <laughs> I just kind of scratch my head uh, – uh, but I am a big fan. I, I do. I read a lot of uh, James Lee Burke, who mm-hmm. I who I really oh, yeah. like, and yeah. a lot of you know Steinbeck. I've read mm-hmm. Steinbeck is probably the only one I read repeatedly. Yeah. Nice. I, I've read uh, I've read The Grapes of Wrath a couple of times. It's yeah. a, it's and uh, of Mice and Men of Mice and Men. Yeah. Uh, Just, Cannery Row. I love. I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, great. So uh, my book this week is the uh, our guest next week's show, uh, Andrew Walsh Huggins' book, An Empty Grave. Uh, Andrew Walsh Huggins is an a- the AP reporter in Columbus covering, as he says in his Amazon bio, criminal justice, the Ohio State House, and long-lived zoo animals. No. And so my qu- first question for him next week is, how can you tell them apart? No. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I previously reviewed his first Andy Hayes novel, Fourth Down and Out, on Off the Shelf a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh this is his latest novel. I think it's the seventh in the series. 
Uh, Andy Hayes is a former quarterback for OSU and the Cleveland Browns who got caught up in a point-shaving scandal while he was an OSU player, and he became a Buckeye Nation pariah. Uh, this is so fiction. This is all fiction. This is yes. not a this real is, person. No, this is not a real person. No, no, no. It's but uh, if 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 a Brian Schleister kind of creeps across the back of your memory, mm-hmm. yeah. some of this resonates from that. Yeah. Okay. So, or Arch Schleister, excuse uh, me, Art, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Arch Schleister. Oh, yeah. Art, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, after he does his time, he returns to Columbus to become a private investigator. Um, in this time, in this outing, he's trying. You know, and I wonder, and I'm going to ask him this: Why would you come back to Columbus? After you know, if you're hated that, that much, file. if he mm-hmm. went and lived in Philadelphia, nobody would give a, a darn about him because, you know, it's not Buckeye Nation and it's not the Cleveland Browns. Move to, you know, Salt Lake City. But why why come back? Anyway, that's for me to ask him next week. Anyway, in this outing, Andy's trying to solve a 48-plus-year-old mystery to see why an accused burglar who shot a cop was able to just walk out of custody and disappear. Now, the cop's son is upset because his, his dad committed suicide eventually over this, and, and now the son is obsessed with finding answers, so he try, hires Andy to track down the mystery. Now, everybody believes that this burglar died in a fire 10 years ago, but all of a sudden, some of the clues don't seem to fit. So Andy, he doesn't really want to take the case, but then the coincidences and the bodies start piling up, so he decides he's going to follow up on it. So an empty grave, is just, it's just classic hard-boiled noir. Uh, the, the private investigator is tough, but he's flawed. The urban setting contrasts glitz with grit. Um, there's a wealthy family with deeply buried secrets. There's a mysterious but beautiful woman. I mean, it's all the stuff that, that makes noir work. Um, the, the institutions are dirty. Politicians are, well, they're, they're politicians. And uh, all of this happens right here in Columbus in central Ohio with lots of recognizable locales and settings. So this is a, a, a real treat for mystery readers. It's the kind of book that just is perfect for an autumn afternoon when you just want to kick back and, and enjoy a, a, a mystery. And uh, like I did last Sunday, I sat down, started reading this, and just four hours later the book was over and I was ready for dinner. So I mean, it was really good. So I, I recommend it. Um, it's called, again, An Empty Grave by Andrew Welsh Huggins. It's published out of uh, Ohio University Press's Swallow Press imprint, and it's available at the library. So we're going to take a break and come back and talk to Robin Yoakum, who, by the way, is not related to Lee Yoakum, who is in the show after us. Uh, they spell their last names differently anyway. So anyway, we'll be, we'll be right back. So please stay tuned. And you're listening to Off the Shelf on My 96.7. Thank you very much, Gage. Welcome back to Off the Shelf. We're here with Robin Yoakum. Robin Yoakum is the Ed- Edgar-nominated author, known for his fiction set in the Ohio River Valley. Uh, he's the uh, author of five previous works of uh, fiction, uh, and plus uh, a nonfiction essay, right? That's the nonfiction? Uh, uh, essay was fiction. Oh, okay. Uh, a Welcome Murder and a Perfect... Uh, before deadline ah. we're, we're nonfiction. okay sorry about that that's no, okay okay so uh favorite <laughs> okay. sons uh one of your previous novels was the 2011 book of the year for mystery and suspense by usa book news and in fact uh favorite sons is actually the genesis of the sacrifice of lester yates it your is. current book right so right. i have to ask you i was thinking about this this morning as i was getting ready for the show what's the significance of the word sacrifice in the title that usually has religious connotation kind of Connotations. Connotations. Every now and then there's a word that just trips right over my eye tooth and I can't see what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, and I I was thinking about that. So talk a little bit about that. That was just, uh, I mean, uh, the whole premise of the book is a wrongful conviction. Right. And a guy Mm -hmm. on death row, Mm -hmm. uh, you know. And um, sacrifice, they were willing to, there there are certain uh, people and entities in that book 
that were willing to sacrifice Lester for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they, they knew in their heart of hearts mm. that he hadn't done it. He but, is the sacrifice. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're going to sacrifice him. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I, you know, the reason I thought of this was because when I started, I did the tease for the show with Mark. I started to say the sacrifice of Isaac Yates. And I was thinking of the sacrifice uh, uh, of Abraham uh, and, right. and, oh, and Isaac. Sure. And it just jumped into my head that, that there's there's sort of that to it. So um, you yeah. mentioned uh, that uh, he's a, a, that Lester is probably innocent and right. people know it. He's been wrongfully convicted. That's a, That's been sort of a theme in, in your career as a, as a journalist. Uh, quite a bit. I yeah. mean, I, I, I covered several stories. I actually wrote a, a series for the dispatch back in the day on wrongful conviction, mm-hmm. uh, dating back to when we hung a guy in Youngstown, Ohio, that uh, we later found out hadn't committed that crime. Um, and uh, th- there were a couple cases that uh, have really piqued my interest over the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think it happens a lot. Right. Uh, and matter of fact, when I was working on the one story, I went to the Ohio Public Defender and said, realizing, of course, that every guy in prison is not guilty oh, of course. yeah do you have mm-hmm. anyone who's more not guilty than, <laughs> than, than, oh, that's great. than someone else yeah and, and and they actually turned me on to a couple and just find it fascinating that, that can, kind of thing can happen and then there's one case where somebody was wrongfully exonerated sort of that you've you've been pretty vocal about and that's the billy milligan case billy milligan yeah yeah uh, that, I, I don't know have you seen the uh, monsters I, I, within I, I have not seen it i i, I know it's out there uh, i knew billy uh from we had interactions uh, when I was with the paper, and uh, you, you know he was uh, found not guilty by reason of insanity for having multiple personalities. Right, mm. and it was a total scam. <laughs> I, 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 I believe it was an absolute total scam. He, it was, and, but he was able to pull it off, yeah. and he found some psychiatrists that w- would uh, agree with him. But uh, you know he he continued to misbehave his entire life, yes. and uh, I, I just think he he gamed the system. The interesting thing about this Netflix series is that there is no narrator. It is all the people who are involved in the case is, are the people who speak. Mm-hmm. And it's a real mix of people who think he was just a total con artist and people who think he absolutely was totally sincere in his multiple personalities. Yeah. And I, I kind of got the feeling after watching it that there was a little of both. That there was, the, you know, the, yeah, this kid went through terrible trauma when he was a kid. But he learned how to use that exactly. to get what he wanted. Right. That's a smart and, kid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's no question he was smart. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, some of the things that they thought, one of his personalities supposedly was able to speak Arabic. Well, it turns out that his cellmate was Arabic. And when he was, he, Billy pretended that he wanted to learn Arabic from this guy, and he had him write things out oh. in Arabic. And it, you know, it was, and he claimed one of his other personalities was able to speak Serbo Croatian. But when they brought in a psychiatrist who could speak Serbo-Croatian, and he started to ask him a question, he would switch personalities. So that, I mean, it, how yeah, stuff oh, like yeah. that, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he, so he's not here right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. He, he was convicted of rape uh, prior to the, when he got it off. Right. But, but apparently, he only had one personality then. He yeah, didn't exactly. use that. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah. yeah. So right. I, yeah, I think it was total total con. And you said, I think I did in your blog post that you, you talked to a jailer who saw him actually reading the book Sybil in his cell. Well, there were there were there were police officers told me because okay. I was covering the crime beat for the dispatch in those days. Okay, and uh, said, oh yeah, he was down. Everyone knew what he was doing. It's just, <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing story. Even the fact that he's been dead seven years and we're still talking about right. It. Exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly. Anyway, enough about Billy Milligan. I want to talk more about the, 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 this book because I really I really enjoyed the sacrifice of Lester Yates. I talked about it last week on the show and uh, just. Thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Appalachian, Ohio. I lived in Lancaster. We both lived in Lancaster right. for a yeah. while. And we've seen how that's been hollowed out so much. 
But it, you, you mentioned in, the, in one of the, the uh, interviews, I think the one you did with the Bowling Green, uh, about you assign real people as the characters in your book. Yeah, they, you have them in your head. You don't play you don't the roles by in my head. head. Exactly. Do they ever catch wise? Does, does anybody ever come no, up to you and say, no. you know, I know that character that, that you put familiar. in that book? <laughs> no, you know, it's 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 funny. Is uh, yeah, for my main characters, I always assign it to a real person because mm-hmm. then I know the inflection, their mannerisms. That right. helps me oh, okay. kind of flesh out the story. Um, you know, there's a I've had a, a guy I went to to school with uh, high school and elementary school. And, and, and he was sort of this weaselly, you know, you didn't really trust him. And he's played that role for me in about three books. You know, he, he, has, he has no idea in the world that I'm, I'm, I'm using him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there was only one character. There was one char- couple characters with a guy that was a really good friend of mine, and he knows that I use him as a, as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, he played uh, uh, Deacon in uh, Favorite Sons. Okay. And he was always sort of my moral conscious growing up. Every time I was getting ready to do something stupid, he'd say, come here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, but, but there was one character in Favorite Sons that I thought, man, I am I'm going to get busted. And he was uh, the, you know, one of the main characters. And I thought, I am I'm so going to get busted out on this one. Uh, but he's. I, I doubt he's ever read the book. You know, so but no. But no one has ever said, hey, was that so and so? Okay. Uh, they even had, less than, was that me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that so. first step gives you the leg up is that somebody actually has to read it and, and, then, has to, and yeah. then has to know the person to be like, I don't know, this seems similar. Yeah, Karen and I before uh, the, the show today were talking about Hutch that we want to see Hutch again. Uh, your your lead character, mm-hmm. he's the Attorney General of Ohio. In this book, he was uh, working in the County Prosecutor's Office. If I or the yeah the County Prosecutor's Office in Summit County in the first book. in the first book. Yeah, yeah. and so. But, you know, he's he's kind of being groomed to be the attorney general of the United States under the, this governor that he's working with. Correct. He doesn't work for because the attorney general doesn't work for right. the governor in this state. But anyway, um, we want to know what happens to him again because he's an interesting character. We, he is – he's funny. He's uh, he's he's very human. I mean, you, you've done a great job. And, and many of the characters in the book, I mean, are really well-rounded. Everybody right. from his secretary to – you know, Love his, his muscle guy. You know, they're all really well-rounded characters. So, yeah, Margaret's a, w- a wonderful character. Um, and so I just want to know more about, you know, like Hutch and what happens with Lucky. That's the dog they rescue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, which was, uh, you know, uh, the characters of Libator and yeah. Lucky the dog. That wasn't planned. That was just something that, that sort of happened. Because I always know how my books end. Okay. When, when I start to write something, I don't put words on page one till I know what's going to be on the last page. Okay. And, but, but it, it's sometimes the characters surprise you on the, on the path to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they become very interesting, very likable characters. Um, if, if I bring Hutch back, I've got to bring, I've got to find a, a case. Now that he's the attorney general, it's got to be big enough that the attorney general actually wants to get involved with it. Right. Yeah. Or he has to not be attorney general anymore and become, Right. prosecutor again or mm-hmm. or something i haven't right uh, there could be something like i don't know an energy company scandal you know yeah. that just not nothing that would really ever <laughs> happen that would like yeah, not in ohio <laughs> <for God's sake. laughs> 
<laughs> so um, <laughs> I was actually I was actually thinking of human trafficking. That I mean, I'm just, yeah, that's seriously, a, that's that would a, that's, be something that, and that's yeah. huge in the state, and I think yeah. a lot of people don't even realize it. So mm-hmm. I've, I've right. been to a couple of seminars and webinars on that. And it's, it was really, the recent big sting with all the Johns, right? Yeah, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So you also mentioned that interview with uh, Bowling Green, uh, Bowling Green State University, that uh, you try not to write whodunits. And yet there was a good mystery in that book. I mean, it, it, it surprised me exactly how everything unfolded. So there is a certain element of mystery to that. What, what's the difference between what you th- the way you write and what you would call a whodunit? Well, I think with a, the, the, the sort of the standard line I always use is I don't write whodunits. I, I write, we know whodunit. Now what are we going to do about it? Okay. Yeah, you know, and, sort of like and, Columbo as opposed to Perry Mason. Exactly. Okay. You know, trying right. to – because, you know, when you get to the end of this – Okay, you know Lester didn't do it, but we still don't know who who the, the, the you know we know that the the Phoenix. Uh, I mean, we know some things of, of how some of the women died, right? But like the main character or the one uh, uh, gal, you know, it's sort of funny because I've been working out of the books. I forget the names of my old characters. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, we don't know. So there's a lot of gray area, which is life. Yeah, you know, exactly. which is life. You don't always mm-hmm. everything wrap up in a neat a neat little uh, uh, bundle. But yeah, it, even in my books that are, um, which I think uh, uh, a brilliant death is is a really good relationship book. I think, mm-hmm. but there's still a mystery. Right. There's still a mystery of how these things uh, c- c- came about. Well, I love gray areas. Yeah, I think I think you have to ha- you have to incorporate them. Everything can't be neat, neat and nice and packaged. No, with and I bow. have to tell you, our deputy director is from Chesapeake, Ohio. And when mm-hmm. I told her there was a whole chapter in this book set in Chesapeake, Ohio, I, she just spun out of control. She thought that was just the greatest <laughs> thing. She, what? Tell me that title again. Get my, I've got to get my hands on it. And so I had to tell her, you know, it's 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 one chapter and it's an interview, basically. <laughs> right, right. But right. You, but I think when she reads how you captured driving into Chesapeake, she's going to love it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I hope because yeah. I made it all up. So you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, but, but you know, I grew up near Steubenville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I love my I love the High Valley. It's just that. Uh, Man, the, the whole valley, uh, you know, there were 60,000 steel mill jobs when I was a kid growing up mm-hmm. between Steubenville and Wheeling. Right. We're in West Virginia, and now there's zero. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just— I know I grew up in Buffalo between Bethlehem and Republic Steel. Okay, so, there it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, know exactly what you're talking it's, about. It's, it's, it's so. really been uh, a tough time down yeah. the valley. And, and the only thing that's replaced the work has been the drugs, and it's been just a Which tragedy. is sad, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you very much. Thank you for the, this book. Thank you for uh, agreeing to help with the Friends oh. of the Library, for doing the commercial, for everything. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, future novels, uh, both future. set. Well, I the, look forward to seeing you on the 25th. Uh, you're going to see and, me on uh, the 25th. I'll be the one you know, drinking beer and uh, asking and questions. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, In we, that order. We, we know, though, when I have a single author, I can actually interview them. When we have two authors, they talk to each other, and I don't have to do anything. When we have three authors, all i got to do is get out of the way. Yep. <laughs> so that's what I'm looking forward to, just hearing you guys talk. Well, so. Authors who like to get by, they do like to get behind a keyboard, but but probably like to talk even more. You know, so. Of course. Yeah, I'm looking so. forward to it. Well, great. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Uh, we have a couple of minutes left because we got some big things coming up at the library. Tomorrow, Saturday, October 9th, our sixth annual Geek Fest. Yes. So yes, I think that's about right. It's going to be virtual. Uh, we've got all sorts of great stuff happening. Uh, it w- just come to the library's YouTube site. Yes. Which gives so, the specific... YouTube.com slash the DCDL, T-H-E-D-C-D-L. It's all day long. It kicks off at 9 a.m. with a little welcome panel. And then there are things like story times in the morning. There's a book talk. There's a 
um, trivia. There's a spelling challenge, a spelling bee challenge, um, and it's it's hard. It's going to be you know, can you spell um, people's names from Star Trek and other things like that? So it's a geeky. If spelling it's harder bee. than Kirk, I'm in trouble. Right. There's uh, going to be a little bit of interactivity, so um, uh, quiplash and different sorts of um, Jackbox games. And then at the end of the day, there's going to be our um, full Librarians Lord Dungeons and Dragons uh, storytelling kind of event. It's that has been one of the biggest events of the entire thing. Um, also, if you're doing any of the in-person things, Find Loki ends tomorrow, Saturday, October 9th. Um, so uh, grab your Find Loki sheet or download it from DelawareLibrary.org slash GGF for Great Geek Fest. And um, then turn it in by tomorrow and you can win a prize. And don't forget, you left out the cosplay contest. Well, the cosplay contest, you've already entered. The entries have closed, but watching it is watching now it should be the fun, fun part. Yes. Yes. Right. They're and you might be know doing a judge. judging panel. Yes, I, I do know one of the judges because I just dropped off her judging sheets to Megan. Oh, nice. uh, so, and that's my wife, Joyce, who, who does costume design <laughs> and everything. So thank you, Joyce, for helping out with that. Uh, what is there? Uh, let's see. The 12th, um, on the 12th, we have Excel Basics at 3 p.m. You do need to register for that. There are limited seats. Um, on the 13th, we have Books and Brews at 6 p.m., and that is another opportunity to drink and talk about books. And we're <laughs> talking course. about The Family Upstairs by Lisa Jewell at that uh, Books and Brews. That one's at the Daily Growler and Powell. And the friends might discontinue sell, uh, sponsoring the show if I don't mention the bargain book sale that's coming up a week from today, yes. October 15th. That will be in the garage at the Delaware Main Library. Friday night, 5 to 8, will be the book sale. And then on Saturday, the book sale in the garage, plus a CD and DVD sale in the community room at the Delaware Library. Busy week at the library. We did it. And don't forget, Monday, the library is closed. Yes. The, for not, not, for, not for Indigenous People's Day or for Columbus Day, but because we have an in-service for our staff that day. That's right. So uh, we will see you on Tuesday again. But uh, in the meantime, thank you again, Robin Yoakum, for being here. Thanks for having me. Nicole, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Gage, great work behind the board. Thank you. Absolutely. And we will see you in the stacks.